Here we go, rejecting the screen. Noah Kozlov out here on the East Coast. Adam Stanko is out west, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Every Tuesday and Thursday, Tuesday, 25, 30 minutes, hoops in life. On Thursday, going ISO edition, a long-form interview. This week, it's Butch Beard from the 75 champion Golden State Warriors. An all-star back in 1972 and was the Nets head coach for those two years before John Calipari got the job and then trying to figure out how to handle Derek Coleman and Kenny Anderson. That'll take more than just those two years off your life. And then he was an <laughs> assistant coach with the Dallas Mavericks trying to work on the love triangle between Tony Braxton, Jason Kidd, and Jimmy Jackson. So we'll get to all of that on Thursday. Adam, yeah, we could talk Zion. We could talk about the Raptors and Jason Tatum. And we're recording this on Monday for Tuesday before any sort of Ben Simmons news. We could talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. We could talk about Kobe White who now all of a sudden with back-to-back 30-point games, the restraining, order has been, the restraining order has been lifted on everybody, and you're still leading that wagon. But let's get into the Clippers, who, when I was on with Jason McIntyre on Fox Sports Radio over the All-Star break, he, he was sounding the alarm on, on the Clippers, and I was leaning that way, thinking about what their schedule was like upcoming. So yeah, losing two games before the break, losing the first game out of the break, we can get into the schedule. We can get into what might be wrong. Where are you right now on the time to sound the alarms on the Clippers? I'm not ready to yet. And I think that this Clippers team uh, is disjointed. They've been disjointed all year. I think you can chalk a lot of it up to injuries. And to me, one critical piece is just Paul George and how important he is to making them go. I mean, we understand Kawhi. Patrick Beverly, who's battled some injuries this year. Lou Williams has been really good again. But to me, the key is Paul George. And I was looking up some numbers that were interesting to me. In their 23 wins, he's averaging nearly 24 points a game, shooting about 45% from the field. In In the 11 losses that he's been a part of, under 18 points a game, shooting under 38% from the floor. And also, his numbers when he's a starting guard, which he's played 27 games, Uh, his shooting percentage way down compared to when he's a starting forward. So it's interesting that Paul George, to me, is such a critical component. And now you throw in the mix, especially considering he hasn't shot as well playing the guard position. Now you throw Marcus Morris in the mix, plus Reggie Jackson. Yeah, what are they doing? Just wild cards. And you try to incorporate them. And Doc Rivers is basically owned up to that, saying like, oh, we're already sort of a mess. And now we're trying to incorporate these guys. And we're just sort of telling them, just go. Uh, I, the Marcus Morris one to me was a head scratcher. And I think, yeah, it's a, what are you doing situation? I'm not ready to punt on them because I think what their potential is defensively when everyone locks in and we know they're really strong offensively. I think this team can give the Lakers fits. I think ultimately it comes down to who are the teams that could beat them in the playoffs. And that's the question that I would throw back your way. Who do you think could beat them in a playoff series? Well, I think the Lakers could beat them in a playoff series. I think the, Utah Jazz could beat him in a playoff series because of how good Quinn Snyder's coaching is and how lethal Donovan Mitchell can be. And of course, on the defensive end with with Rudy Gobert, I don't think Denver could beat him in a playoff series. I don't think Houston could beat him in a playoff series. So I think it would be maybe just Utah and the Lakers that could beat him in a playoff series out West. But that's but that's enough. 
Because if you face one of those two teams before you get to the Western Conference Finals, it's a it's a failed season. And thinking about the schedule, I mean, we're going to find out a lot. So on as we record this on Monday, they've got Memphis, then Wednesday at Phoenix, then a whole bunch of national TV games. And as much as you want to say, well, there's League Pass, so everyone can watch everything. National TV games lead to a whole lot more chatter. So Friday against mm-hmm. Denver on ESPN. Sunday against Philly on ABC. And then they've got Tuesday, the following week, at OKC. Thursdays at Houston on TNT. Sunday against the Lakers on ABC. So, And, and none of these games are back-to-backs. So we should see a lot of Kawhi and Paul George against contending teams. Because when those two are together, just this calendar year, they've played 10 games together. And, or I should say, they've played six together because Paul George has only played 10 this, cal- this, this calendar year. With Kawhi Leonard, the two of them in those six games, they've beaten Detroit, Minnesota, San Antonio, Miami, but they've lost at Philly and they've lost at Boston. So these two guys have to be playing together in big games in order to build off each other and make each other feel like, you know what? We've won a bunch of big games now together that we can do this in the playoffs. Yeah, I think you bring up a great point. I mean, we can talk about how their roster has been somewhat disjointed. We can talk about how guys haven't played together, but you bring up a good point. It's not like this is a core group that's now suddenly injured and suddenly dealing with some problems and not being on the court together. These guys have never played together. So this idea that we're going to bring them together, even though the core group there of Beverly and Harrell uh, that the Clippers were working with, Lou Williams, this this strong core group the Clippers had previously is still there. But it's all about what are Kawhi and Paul George going to look like and how do the other guys play off of them? And you're in critical spots in a playoff series. Who's going to be taking the shots? Who's Who's going to get the difficult assignments defensively? How much talk is there on the defensive end? You know, the communication, the chemistry all has to be there. And so the fact that they haven't been on the floor together is the most scary thing to me. And like I said, now you throw Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson in the mix and Doc Rivers trying to incorporate them. It it leads for a sticky situation coming down the stretch. But they... They, they've also talked about, they've recently said, now is the time they have to figure it out. There's no more waiting around. Because if they sit there and think that they're going to be fine come playoff time just because they have so much talent, there's no way that's going to be true. There's just too many other good teams in the league right mm-hmm. now. All right, so, so two more things on this. Two other notes. Paul George, 30-plus minutes this year, 16 games played. The team is 9-7, and seven, and six of those seven losses have come against playoff teams. And when I think also about contenders and teams that can win a title – you think to long winning streaks and you, you think to not just beating the teams that you should be, but stepping it up in order to beat some of those other teams at the top. They haven't really had the closest thing they've had to a four game winning streak against good teams was all the way back in November. They won seven straight, but they beat Atlanta by 49. Then they beat OKC. This is at home. OKC by two. Boston by three in overtime. They beat the Pelicans at that point, but who were the Pelicans back in November? Beat them by right, 25. Right. Then they went at Dallas and won by 15, and then at Memphis by two. So that, those are, that's the closest that they've had to beating four really good teams or four playoff teams in a row all season. you got to be able to show me that before I can stick with the preseason prediction of having the Clippers and the Sixers in the NBA Finals. Coming up, one thing that cannot happen in the playoffs 
we are seeing play out in front of us during the regular season, and it is taking forever. The Rejecting the Screen segment, Adam, and yes, the program's called Rejecting the Screen, but second segment, we should go against the against the grain a bit, a bit, the officiating and the incessant use of replay and coaches and players and broadcasters who don't know the rules of replay. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, Mike Breen does, thankfully, and, and you would expect him mm-hmm. to do so. And and David Locke, I'm not just saying this, but the, because of the Lockdown Podcast Network, but David Locke, the, the voice of the Utah Jazz and host of Lockdown Jazz, He's all over it on the radio broadcast, and he was even on the the Gobert Lillard thing, where you can't replay a you can't you can't challenge the goaltending if the goaltending actually wasn't called. We right. got to do something about this because these end of game situations and the incessant use of the players just waving their fingers in the air, hey, replay this, replay this, replay that. It's it's becoming too much. They're complaining about everything, and the end of these games is taking forever. So my proposal would be. Either just use last two minutes and give coaches a challenge and that's it and let it and let it roll over if you get the yep. challenge correct. Or just use that in the playoffs. Or and or how about we just make replay? It's all centralized in Sakakas anyway. Don't even send the on-court officials over to the table and take the time to turn around those monitors, et cetera, and put a time limit on it. If the folks in Sakakas can't correct the call in a minute then that's it, and we're playing. This this is is taking way too long, and I can guarantee you people are tuning out. Yeah, I'm with you. I, it's, it's hurting the game, and that's not the purpose. The purpose is to make sure the calls are, are made correctly, but if it's taking too long, it's hurting the game, and no one wants to sit around waiting for a replay, and you always heard already the, the chatter from casual NBA fans. Oh, well, the last two minutes of a game last a half hour, you know, well, usually it's an exciting time. So who cares that it lasts a half hour? You know, it's exciting and, and their strategy involved and coaches are calling timeouts so they can get good baseline out of bounds or sideline out of bounds plays drawn up. You're fine with that. Or, or smart coaches advancing the ball, putting it in a good spot that they want, basically having control over end of game situations. But I love your idea with Secaucus and, and for a big reason why is just from the fan perspective. And that is, Here's the thing. We've always valued the officials that are on the floor. They get to see it at, at first glance. And the job they do is, for the most part, spectacular. I, I am shocked. I, I don't think people have an appreciation. Maybe it's because I grew up in Westchester, Pennsylvania, where it's like a breeding ground for NBA officials. So many that's of true. them have right. come from, from that area. So maybe that's why I have the appreciation. But I but I think when you watch a game up close, anyone who's ever sat courtside on the floor, what have you, and understood how quickly play happens, how big these guys are, how many fouls occur on each possession that you could call and what they decide to call and where they're looking, footwork now with what James Harden does, all those things, incredibly difficult job. But that being said, who complains about things the next day? What picks up traction? All the people watching on TV. The fans in the arena are going to be the hometown fans. They're going to boo the call, whether it's right, you know, whether it's right or wrong. If it's against their guy, they're booing it. So it's all about the fans who are at home who then get a different look, a second look, a third look, different angle on the replay and realize, oh, wait a minute. Like they got that call wrong. They blew it. I'd rather 
it be an independent booth in Secaucus where they look it over, like you said, with a time limit. Love, love, love that idea because that's the same vantage point that the people at home have who make the complaints and who drag it out over the next couple of days and talk about how bad the officiating was. It's, it's, it's all too much. And yes, officials are going to miss calls and the officials want the technology there to get the calls right. But the league itself, as we've, as we've said, the league sells entertainment. And what is happening during these games is so far from entertaining. And you're, when, you're, when you're losing an audience, then you got to make sure that you're now changing your practices on the floor. This has to change. Your record in the All-Star game ran out because uh, of all the officiating oh stuff late. I still, I still can't believe that. I still can't believe that. Extended it for 30 minutes, and it ran out right after Anthony Davis missed that first free throw. And your daughter still doesn't know who won that game. Incredible. Stop it. We watched on YouTube. Stop it. All right, coming up next, Open Gym. What I've been binging and what we're most looking forward to this week. So have you seen you on Netflix? Have you watched any of it? Heard heard a lot about it. My, my daughters uh, say they've heard a lot about it. I have not watched a second of it, but it's on my short list. And I have a, a long short list, if you will. So, so when, when, when people ask me about, oh, have you seen this or are you watching this and it's on Netflix or some other streaming service, oftentimes I've never even heard of it. Just because there are so there are so many things. My wife and I mm-hmm. last night, I was watching. Oh, we watched This Is Us from last week because they were gone and I, and I was away. And when we turned off the show, a Friends episode came on, and immediately, like you know, it, as soon as I saw the scene, I didn't even have to see any of the uh, any of the hear any of the words. I said, "Oh, this is we were on a break, and it's an an all time season three. I mean, it's an all time." sitcom episode is the we were on the break ross and rachel but i've been watching and i've been watching you and i went through season one and two and after i watched the first two episodes of season one i said to marissa I said hey watch an episode or two of this and then i'll wait for you and we can watch it together which Got she it. didn't and then as i kept watching more and more i was like you know what? she's not going to want to watch this it, it's too it, it's too suspenseful she's gonna be looking over her shoulder there's too much killing but this gotcha. show, dude, this show, dude, is bananas. And it's, oh. yeah, I mean, it, it, just like anything else, unrealistic at, at, for certain times. But it is, it's so entertaining. And I've been, I've plowed through them on airplanes. You know, my, my wife and I are in this habit of, we watch shows at night, her being, you know, seven and a half months, almost eight months pregnant. Uh, she, she already would fall asleep five minutes into shows, but now it's like three minutes. So, oh, no, man, I mean, th- dude, this show might induce her. Oh, well, it's it's possible. We watch some dark stuff. We watch some dramatic stuff. I will say uh, I keep a track. Of, I keep track of everything that we watch. Uh, we go to a lot of movies, too, as as you know, uh, that's that's dropped off a little bit because she's having a tough time getting into the seats. Um, I'm sure, she wouldn't mind me saying that at all on a podcast wow. she doesn't listen to. But yeah, uh, yeah it's on my list. The, the, yeah. Yeah, Trish, don't don't say a word. Sometimes Trish uh, at that Lococo spoils it for us. Um, <laughs> she talks about like detailed stuff in our marriage that I've revealed during the podcast. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I haven't started the pharmacist or you uh, on Netflix. They're they're on my list. But right now, working on the Outsider, 
terrific show on HBO, very suspenseful Stephen King novel that it's based on. Um, really been into the bridge, um, which is a I, I don't know the bridge. odd, odd international show. You can catch that on, on Hulu. Uh, but, uh, McMillions on, on HBO has been a good documentary series. And, and recently the most dramatic, maybe the best thing we've seen all year, which, which I had trouble sleeping for days because it's so awkward, but it's masterfully told. Don't fuck with cats. Oh, dude. I, I, wait, I didn't tell you that I watched it, right? Oh, no, you didn't. Oh, uh, yeah. You didn't. I did, so someone mentioned it to me when I was at CBS a few weeks ago, and I, I hadn't even heard of it. And they were like, what? You never you heard of this? I said, I honestly, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I watched, I watched it on my flight to San Francisco. I watched it on my flight uh, two weeks ago uh, when, when I ended up seeing yeah. it. I thought for sure those two, at the, those two at the end were going to hook up, but. Yeah, I, I mean, that was probably the most dramatic part. So, yeah, yeah right. check out check out Don't F With Cats if you haven't seen it. I, I don't want to name drop, but Casey Jacobson was the one who put me on to, to All that. right, so, all right. Just, uh, just saying. Who is uh, a guest on this podcast. Go look it up. All right, so a few uh, Let's Talk Hoops. What I'm pumped for this week, I want to watch Boston, Utah on Wednesday night, see how Boston responds. They're going to be on a back-to-back. And then also uh, Nuggets, Clippers on Friday. But Micah Adams, who's the... NBA global managing editor for DAZN. He's at yeah. Micah Adams 13 on Twitter. He used to play ball he, with Micah. Yeah. Oh, really? ESPN. ESPN? Nice. Mm-hmm. And he he put out this note about the this week is it's Pell's Lakers twice. One on TNT on Tuesday, one on ESPN on Sunday. And since Zion's debut, this is from Micah Adams, since Zion's debut on January 22nd, both the Pell's and the Lakers have the same net rating of, of plus 5.9. And this would be, you know, as we talked about, you know, wanting the Pels to get into the playoffs. What a first round series. And it just jogged my mind thinking about it. What a first round series that would be. It'd be incredible. Absolutely incredible. The uh, the NBA draft matchup that I'm pumped for this week, Maryland at Minnesota on Wednesday. Hopefully people are listening to this podcast before before Wednesday, but you know what? Listen whenever you want, you know, go back to listen to some old episodes. We've had some good nuggets there. You can learn more about Trish from Lococos too. Um, it's Jalen, as people know him, Sticks Smith. I know, I know, you know, Sticks uh, against Daniel Toro uh, of Minnesota. So Maryland at Minnesota on Wednesday, huge game for Maryland in terms of NCAA tournament implications, but the interesting thing, over the last nine games, listen how close these numbers are. You don't see matchups of bigs much anymore. Matt Babcock of Babcock Hoops talked about it last last week on the podcast. But his last nine games, Smith, all double-doubles, 19 points a game, 12.7 boards, two and a half blocks. Aturo from Minnesota in February, 19 points a game, 12 and a half rebounds a game, 3.3 blocks per game. So, Interesting matchup of two guys who put up very similar numbers as of late. Stick Smith, uh, one of the best defensive players in the country, and obviously he's been getting it done on the offensive end. It should be a classic matchup of of big men, which you you just don't get to see much in the NBA, but in college you're still getting to see some of these matchups. Yeah, and I would suggest everybody go back and listen to what Matt Babcock said last week, and he's got an updated mock draft as well. about And, and we, we spent a lot of time talking about Big man. He's got Daniel Oturu right now going 23 to the Miami Heat. Last week, that spot was held by Cole, Cole Anthony. Anthony. 
at 23, and Cole has jumped up to 21 to the Philadelphia 76ers. All right, you can follow Adam on Twitter at NaSmithLiz. I'm at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V, at rejecting underscore the underscore screen on Instagram. The feed is cleaner than saying at rejecting underscore the underscore screen on Instagram and everything else on the Locked On Podcast Network, Locked On NBA five days a week, Locked On Fantasy Hoops, Hollinger and Duncan on Mondays and your team every day, all 30 teams, 25, 30 minutes every single day here on the Locked On Podcast Network going ISO edition on Thursday here on rejecting the screen, Butch Beard. You ever want to know about the Tony Braxton story with the Dallas Mavericks? Make sure you're doing all five subscribing, downloading, rating, reviewing, and sharing with friends. Trust me, it's worth it. Adam, thanks, Beth. You're the best.